right. So who here enjoyed the movie? Who here didn't see it? I guess who hasn't seen the movie that is here? Okay. If I reference something from the movie and you didn't see it, I apologize. Watch it. It's a good movie. All right. So I guess the elders this year in their infinite wisdom decided they wanted new speakers. Um, I think they gave us topics out of a weakness. Just a guess. All right. At least for me. All right. So who here thinks being unbroken is a bad thing? One person. One person. That's it. Got two. I got three. All right. It's like an auction here going off. All right. So who here thought Louis was someone that you would admire? The things that he did and went through. I mean, because some of the things he did, for those of you who didn't see it, he was he clearly loved his family, right? The way he respected them and loved them. He was an Olympic athlete. That's impressive. I don't care if you come in dead last in the Olympics. The fact that you were there is impressive, right? I mean, those are the best athletes in the world. Almost got a four-minute mile. Probably would have had it if it hadn't been for the war because he was on pace to do it. I mean, in the war, he ran, what, the 56-second or whatever thing, you know, alongside the Jeep. I mean, that's impressive. Uh, he was popular, well-known. I mean, even the Japanese were recognizing this guy. They were like, from this drawing, this is you. It's like, that's pretty impressive, all right? It's pretty cool. On the raft, he was clearly the strong one. I mean, he had his weak moments, but he was the one that's like, hey, guys, we're going to make this last. We're going to drink this water, things like that, all right? Yeah, I mean, he caught the seagull. The thing was pecking away at his hand. He's like, I'm going to hold on to this thing. Then I'm going to puke it all up and make things worse than it were before, but that's okay. Uh, he refused to read the scripted message by the Japanese. Okay, He went out there, said what he wanted to say, and then they're like, and now we want you to read this. Can't do that. Can't do that. It's pretty impressive. All right. Took all the beatings without retaliation. Refused to give up, holding that wooden plank. He survived the war. With everything he went through, that's saying something. You know? I mean, isn't that supposedly the deadliest war in the history that we know of? So he survived that, let alone everything he went through. So once again, you all agree, most of you raise your hand, you admire this, right? Okay. So you guys would want to say you've done, maybe you wouldn't have wanted to go through some of that, but you would want to be able to say you could have, or that you had done some of those things. Yeah, some of you. I would want to be able to say I lived through some of that. I'd admit that. Be like, that was me. I wouldn't want to actually volunteer to do it, but, you know. I think at some level, all men want to be strong. All men want to be viewed as unbroken, right? And I can't think of any guy that's like, no, view me as this puny, weak, constantly failing person. I don't think anybody wants to be viewed that way. So let me get some feedback from you guys. What do you guys think it looks like to be unbroken? What does it mean? What does it mean to be strong and unbroken? What are some words that come to mind? Confident. Confident. I agree. Hard-hearted. Resilient. Hard-hearted. Stubborn. Stubborn. Anything else? Prideful. Prideful. I got self-sufficient on there. Uh, Independent. Smart. Successful. Right? Those are all things you might associate. There's good and bad. It's kind of funny you guys mentioned that. I'm glad someone said the uh, stubborn and uh, a couple others because what it really looks like to me, the people that really put on this this act, as I call it, of being strong and unbroken in this world, to me it looks like is you're looking down on others because you're acting better, all right? Or you don't listen well. You're stubborn. You're not eager to learn. You're not quick to admit wrong. Why would you? I'm strong and unbroken. I'm not wrong. You're wrong. Don't question me. Get away. Uh, 
fear of looking bad. All right? Competitive. I know that one can be skewed good, can be skewed bad, but competitive with other people. Insecure, jealous. So what's the root of all that? Pride. Pride. Okay, that was easy. That's what my lesson's about. And that's why... <laughs> you got it right still. And that's where, they, that's where I'm speaking out of weakness here, guys. I just described a list of things that I see in myself. I know I've grown in some of these. I know Nathan's been with me since I became a Christian. I've definitely gotten better at some of this. But I still struggle with this. Majorly. I mean, pride is probably one of the biggest pitfalls um, that a lot of people have. So, in this light that we just painted, who here wants to be unbroken? You all raised your hand saying you wanted to be like Louis, but who here wants to be unbroken the way we just described? Okay, good. That was a test. Anyone raise your hand? Gary was going to escort you out. Um, <laughs> Proverbs 16.5 says, The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. And then 1 John 2.16 talks about, if you guys are familiar with it, it describes three things from the world that basically all sin can be traced back to. Okay? John uh, 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. All right? The pride of life, those things we describe, those are not from the Father. Okay? Let me, let me repeat that. It's not from the Father. Okay? It's not to be, to be said that being strong is a bad thing or being smart or successful. Any of those things are bad, but it's the way that you live that way. Okay? Are you acting like those things? I think the truth is we're all really broken until we rid ourselves of the pride of life. All right? And I, just to put a little asterisk on that, I don't think you will ever fully get rid of the pride of life. Um, but kind of a cool way Alan described it as is the second he starts to feel like he's got a hold on one thing, another one shows up. And it's like, hey, forgot about me. Reared its ugly head. So it's always there. So another one I kind of had a question for you guys is where do you guys think pride is most prevalent and obvious for you guys? Where do you guys think you struggle the most with that? Being right. Being right, exactly. I have it down as defending myself. I think that's perfect. Someone's attacking your opinion on anything. The Patriots are the best team in the NFL. I don't want to hear it. We're the defending champs until otherwise, right? But how many people take pride in that? And I know it's a silly one, but when we're being attacked in any form, that's one. That's a good one. Anything else? Situations, anything else? Respect. Respect? With my yeah. wife. With your wife? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he whispered that one, Cassie, because he didn't want you to hear it after he said you. That is true. Success. Uh, success. So I kind of correlate a couple of those as uh, I put at work or with like my peers or my boss. Right? Because we're taught in America, we're supposed to stand out above the rest, be the best. You know, I'm supposed to. I'm the one that needs to move up the corporate ladder, not you. So I need to be seen as good, right? Um, you mentioned your mentioned your wife, friends and family. You guys think you ever are tempted to be prideful there, around friends and family? That might be one of the hardest ones, especially when you get in a group of guys and we all start having to one up each other in stories. <laughs> and some of that's just out of good fun, but sometimes it's not. Okay. Sometimes it's someone being very insecure and they've got to one you up. 
All right. Competitive situations. All right. Sports. <laughs> Who here thinks uh, athletes in general might have a pride problem? And then how many of you think you fall in that same exact category? There might be a few of you in here. I mean, I think where's Justin at? Justin, I think, probably genuinely does not care what he looks like playing sports. I don't. Okay, there you go. That is the one tackle he does. That's the one thing he may not have to tackle. But he's, trust me, he's got a mountain of others. All right. Um, it's okay. I'm farther up the mountain. My mountain's bigger. It's okay. Um, dating. All right. So those of us that are married don't have to worry about this anymore. But All right. I think pride's a quick way to jump out at us when we're dating, trying to chase after girls. Uh, work, etc. Okay, but we want to stand. We want to be the best. But the key is with all of those is it's all about me. It's me. I'm better than you. All right. I did that project at work. Not a team. I did that. Okay. Hey boss, look at me. Hey Megan, look at me. All right. I mean she should now, but trust me, I was that was a problem with for her for a while. Um, I'm not going to get into that. That's not what this lesson's about. So, <laughs> so I have a question for you guys. Then, how do you rid yourselves of the pride of life? Right, that's the big question. Right, we just described it. We all know what it is. I think we can all recognize pride. I don't think that's actually very hard to do. The question is, how do you get rid of it? How do you fight it? You have to know who you are and who God is. Yeah, I mean that's that's putting it very uh, very plain. But I think that's true. All right, so I'm going to read a longer verse here. Colossians 3, 12 through 17. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against everyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and songs, singing and thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. Anybody catch in there where you're supposed to rid yourself of pride? There's a couple spots in there I think that really stand out. The line that really hits me, there's a couple of them, is first off when he first says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Okay? And that's a question I want you guys to maybe talk to each other about, whether it's after this lesson or after all the lessons. It doesn't matter when you guys are going to get together. I don't know what the game plan is there, but does the peace of Christ rule in your heart? And I don't think that's a simple yes-no question. I think that's a little, little deeper than we might think. Um... And then also, let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. So I want to throw that one out there, and I know we always say it, you know, as part of the things you should be doing as a Christian. But the, and it's, it's simple math, guys. The Word of Christ cannot dwell in you if you don't know the Word of Christ. Okay, that doesn't mean you're going to be able to come up here, because trust me, if, you, if I had any of these verses and someone had deleted this, I would not have been able to quote any of these verses to you. Okay, I'm bad at that. I want to get better at that. But I know the general, what he says. You know, and I can quote things from the Bible without saying it came from this verse, per se, but I, I know the word. I'm, I'm growing in that. But I just got to throw that out there because I think a lot of us in this room are weak at that. You cannot have the word of Christ in you 
if you're not reading it, taking it in. Okay? You've got, and you've got to do it for yourself. You cannot listen to lessons and you can't come listen to Tim and Gary and Alan preach on Sundays and think that that's enough. You're not going to absorb that. Okay? You might get a little bit from it, and I hope you do. I do. I think there's some great lessons. But to be honest, if I really wanted to learn what they said more, I would listen to it a couple times after that. You don't get it the first time. But what I really like is the very last sentence that says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. We overcome the pride of life by accepting Christ as our Lord, and we learn to live as He did. Right? I mean, that ultimately, and Nathan kind of hit the nail on the head with it, you know, knowing God. But ultimately, we have to accept Him as our Lord and then live like He did as best we can. And none of us are going to hit that perfectly, you know. Some of us are closer than others, but we're all going to die. We're all going to go meet the Maker, and He's going to... I like to think that He's going to be like, hey, you did a great job, but now come on, let's watch the highlight reel. You know, and He's going to show us where we stubbed our toes, just to be funny. And I like to think my God has humor. But, uh... So there's two things that kind of stand out to me that really need to, you know, from that. If Jesus is our Lord, what does that make us? Servants, right? Slaves, whichever term you prefer. What do slaves or servants have? Nothing. Okay? Does that word sink in? You have nothing. You have no rights. Okay? We have no rights whatsoever. Luke 17, 7 through 10. Which of you, having a slave plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come immediately and sit down to eat? But will he not say to him, Prepare something for me to eat and drink? Afterwards, you may eat and drink. He does not thank the slave because he did the things which were commanded. So you too, when you do all things which are commanded you, say, We are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. So when you get all excited and want to get prideful, you've got to remember that last little bit there. We are unworthy slaves. Right? Should Christ have come down and saved us based on our rights? Did we deserve that? No. Absolutely not. I mean, we did not deserve that. If anything, we deserved to have another flood come and wipe us all out. Right? Okay? I mean... He gave up his rights, didn't he? Do you guys give up your rights in all those situations we described before? When you're around your peers at work, when you're with your boss, when you're with your family, or with your friends, are you willing to take that lower road and let someone else have the moment? I mean, can you do that? Can you play second fiddle? Because we're all supposed to play second fiddle constantly, Right? We are unprofitable servants. We are simply called to do as our Lord commands. What if the Lord commands you to do something that is not what you want? Everyone here doing exactly what they sought out to do when they were six years old? <laughs> Tim, did you plan on being a owner of a glass business? No. Or Gary running uh, car washes? Or Nathan changing screens and leading campus ministry? Uh, no? Why not? Come on now. Why didn't you see that? Working at Subway? Right? I'm at a steel mill. Alright, for me that was just a practice interview. I had no idea it was gonna be a job. Is there anyone in here who is doing what they wanted to do? Okay. So most of us have steered away from it a little bit, alright? 
And this might be something you've wanted to do, all right? I know Matt probably did want to be in the medical field for a long time. All right, but is it all he cracked out to be necessarily? That's probably amazing. They do all kinds of fun drills with you and stuff, you know? So if we're supposed to remember he's our Lord and we're his servants and we are doing as he commands, how are we supposed to live like he did? Because the Bible, trust me, I I read through it and I was looking for it because it would be awesome. The Bible doesn't tell me how to handle every situation. Right now, okay, my work is possibly going to idle the plant. I might be laid off. I've got twins on the way. There's lots of jobs out there that are available to me, but a lot of them are shift work or an hour away or in other states, things like that. I'm faced with a decision, right? I'm supposed to handle this like Christ would. What do I do? Tell me what verse. What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to go quit and start this new job? Am I supposed to take a huge pay cut and go somewhere else? I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And no one can answer that for me. It's really frustrating, you know. I've gone to Alan, and he just says, I'll be praying for you, you know. <laughs> so I, that's not the advice I needed. Come on now. No. Um, and, and truth, that's actually the best thing that could be done in a lot of those situations, all right? I don't think any of us struggle with the good or bad decisions. I think most of us here, you know, seasoned enough people that, hmm, am I going to go the right way or the wrong way? I think it's whenever you have two right paths or two paths that may look right. That's when you really struggle, okay? Just throwing that out there is slightly off topic. So my second thing is we are to live like Christ. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So there's several things in there. I mean, right there it tells us we're supposed to have that attitude, right? That was also in Christ Jesus. And it goes on to say that he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Why didn't he desire that? Why didn't he hold on to that? I mean, if you look at it just from that statement alone, it makes me wonder why didn't he hold on to that? Why didn't he hold on to that? What was that? There was something better? Maybe. Gave up his rights. I mean, he did it because of us, right? That was his reason for doing it. I don't think he wanted to, all right? I mean, on the way to the cross, what does he do? I don't want to do this, you know, but he's going to do it because his father told him to, you know? I really like that last portion. It says, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Has anyone in here struggle with being obedient to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. For those who didn't know, Paul was like, all right? But I think all of our hands should probably do that. Yeah. Should jump up in the air. I, I struggle with it. There's some things that God says that I am like, yes, sir. No problem. I will do that without question. And there's other things that I'm like, are you sure that's what you meant? I mean, I don't know if you meant that, God, because that's really tough. That's really difficult. It'd be a lot easier if that verse wasn't in the Bible. I, it'd make things a little smoother. I mean, I understand it might upset some people and things like that. Come on, I mean, it's supposed to be easy, 
right? I mean, this, this whole following you thing. It says here we're supposed to humble ourselves and become obedient to Christ to the point of death. Christ humbled himself to the point of death on a cross. And we're supposed to have that same attitude. We're supposed to live like him. So we're supposed to be obedient to the point of death. So that doesn't mean any verse that you don't like, any command the Lord tells you, the direction he's telling you to go, if you don't want it, the direction's clearly against everything you want. Too bad. That's what the Lord says. I don't mean to be mean about it, but so often I feel like we try to dance around this idea in a lot of churches that God wants to please us. No. Where does it say that in the Bible? We're to please Him. He's our Master. I think there are going to be times we're going to be pleased by serving Him. And I can definitely say everyone in this room could raise their hand and say a way they've been blessed by God. But it's not about that. You know, Alan, we were talking about this during the week we had dinner. And he said, you know, someone questioned me one time and said, what if God came to you? And you, you knew it was God. You had no question about that. So there was no you know, determination to be made there. And he said, Alan, I want you to sell your house, give the money to someone else, and live in a cardboard box for the rest of your life. Could you do it? And he said that, of course I could. That's what the Lord told me to do. You think it'd be that easy? I, I I personally would really struggle with that, you know, doing that. Be like, sure, I can sell my house, but do I have to give the money all of it away? I mean, I might need that someday to buy something better than a cardboard box, you know. I might want a really nice cardboard box. I mean, I'm gonna put shingles on that thing, make sure it doesn't get wet. All right. I'm a Christian. There's gonna be gutters on that. I mean, I mean, you know, it's gonna be nice. So. If he was humbled, all right, he humbled himself, became obedient, but how did he live? I mean, how did Christ live? You know, there's a number of things he did, but I mean, I think it all came down to one thing. I mean, what was his main purpose for being here? Was it to save us? Was that his primary purpose? That was his main purpose. I think several times Christ Himself does not say that. Christ says He's here to preach the kingdom of God. He was here to bring the kingdom of God. That was why He came. Okay, He did other things. He did save us so we could be a part of the kingdom of God. But He says Himself that He came to tell us about the kingdom of God. Right? Isn't that what we're called to do as well as Christians? To bring the kingdom of God? Advance it? Christ says his primary purpose here. So, John 6.38, he says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. That's difficult for me to wrap my mind around. Okay, So I'm going to get a little off topic here. It's the idea that God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit are one but not one. And God wanted him to come here to do some stuff. But Christ, although connected to God, didn't want to die on the cross. Okay, I mean, he says that, right? You know, if there was another way, please do it. <laughs> but he does it. And that's difficult for me because if Christ is struggling and even has his moments of listening to God, the Father, I know I'm going to. No matter how good I get, I mean, Christ was as perfect as you can get, and he still struggled with it. So I know I am. But that verse right there should be exactly how we live our life. Not to do your own will. I mean, 
All the things we talked about with pride were all about me. It's me, me, me. Okay? And sometimes you can paint that in a pretty way. Right? It's about me, but I'm going to do something really good with it. You know, give me that $200,000 job. I mean, I'm going to give 10% to the church. Come on. How could you not want that, God? I mean, why not? That's positive, right? Argue against it. Come on, I dare you. I mean, we can paint a positive picture, right? We can put anything good in front of God. All right, how many of you struggle with putting family before God? I do. Okay? It's a tough thing, you know. Is, is missing church to go to a family reunion, putting them before God? Where's your heart when you do it? Right? I can't tell you right or wrong there. There isn't a right or wrong. But it's where your heart is when you do it. Okay? There, there, and that's another thing. It's so often we come to each other, like I did to Alan, and I have done to Tim, and I've done to Gary. You go to them, and you want an answer. I want to know black and white. What is following God and what isn't? Is this what I'm supposed to do? But guys, sometimes it's easy. All right? The Bible says don't get drunk. Okay? If you want to go have a sip of beer, it's kind of hard to argue too much against that, but you can't get drunk, guys. It says it. That is black and white. But should I miss church on Sunday to go do something with my family? Sorry, guys. That one wasn't outlined for us. You know, that's a heart issue. Okay? And if you miss Sunday church to go that, I'm not saying your heart is wrong. I do it. I know Tim's done it. I know Gary's done it. I know Alan's done it. Okay, we all miss occasionally. I don't think that's a bad thing. But the point is, is you're not going to be given a direct answer all the time. So if you're not going to be given a direct answer and no one around you can give you a direct answer, how do you make your decision? And I think it all comes down to it's a decision we must make between pleasing God or pleasing ourselves. What would please God in that moment? Pleasing God in that moment might be to go spend time with your family. It might be to go spend some time with your brother who needs you. Okay? Spend time with your family. There's nothing wrong. A lot of people forget that that is a ministry. Okay? Most of my family is not Christian. Most of them will not be reached by Christians because they don't hang out with anybody who is. Okay? They go to work with the same people all the time. They eat and they sleep and they do everything with the same people all the time and none of them are Christians, how are they going to be reached? Well, they have a Christian son or brother, me, that's in their family. I need to reach them. I need to tell them about the kingdom of God and hopefully someday their hearts will change. So there is a ministry there. Okay, the same thing with work. Same thing with all kinds of things. And then I think when it gets back to this pride, how many of you guys have heard that it's not good to have high self-esteem or high confidence and things like that as a Christian. Has anyone ever heard that term used? I, I had a few times in lessons, you know, if you, if you have high self-esteem, that's prideful, or things like that. And I'm not going to argue for or against that, but I think it's a little different than that. Depends on how you use it. I, I agree. And that's where I think there's a twist on it. I, I don't think it's about me having high self-esteem or not. I think it's, do I have high regard and esteem for God? The rest doesn't matter whether I'm confident or not. And, you know, there's an argument that can be made that if you, you don't appear prideful, you don't appear to have high self-esteem, that you're even more selfish than the people that do. Because you are so bent on your rights and that you're not getting what you think you deserve, so you're putting your doubt on yourself, well, you're just inwardly focused again. So how do you fix that? How do you not have 
Well, shoot, I don't know if I'm supposed to have higher self-esteem, Richard. I don't know what I'm supposed to do anymore. Have high esteem of God. Don't worry about yourself. Please Him. Okay, if you make the Master happy, if you live your whole life making the Master happy, and at the end of it you have nothing to show for it in this world, trust me, it means nothing. Your coffin will look the same. It'll still be full of bones, and you'll still be, hopefully, you'll be somewhere else dancing and having a good time. Right? You've pleased your Master. Alright? So, that's what I want to end with, guys. Is that ultimately, pride to me is a who are you focused on? I think no matter what, if you try to fix pride by focusing on yourself to fix pride, how can I get better? How can I fix this? You're not going to fix it because you're inwardly focused. The key to it is focusing on God, pleasing Him. Okay? And I don't know, Tim or Gary, are we going to show like any of the afterward of what really, like what happened with Louis? I think we should. I haven't seen it myself. I just heard the bonus, the bonus stuff. Yeah, I was just curious. I mean, it's, it's, it's really powerful. I mean, this whole movie we described, like, everyone would want to be Louie. And I agree. Like, from the movie perspective, that would be awesome. I would love to say that I was a guy like Louie. Tough. Tough as nails. The entire prisoner of war camp punches me in the face. And what am I doing that whole time? Hit me! Right. Keep doing it, because I don't want this guy to suffer. You know, it's like, hey, he's being big. But the afterward, guys, and we can, I, th- I think we should watch it. But the idea is that he comes back, he's not as unbroken as he appears. No, he's all messed up. He's messed up. He's an alcoholic. He's got all kinds of issues. He has nightmares constantly about the prisoner of war, about the bird specifically. He wakes up one night strangling his wife thinking she's the bird. Okay? She wants to leave him. I don't remember. Does she leave him? Or they start the process, but they don't ever go through with it. They don't go through with it because she, I don't know how she met, gets involved with Billy Graham, but I think a friend of hers invites her to something. She listens to Billy Graham speak and she's converted. She becomes a Christian. Her life's changed. Now she wants him to come too. And he comes to listen the first time and he leaves. I don't want anything to do with this. You know, but he comes again. And he gets up to leave again. And that's whenever Billy Graham says, When you're on the end of your ropes when you turn to God. And he said it's like a light bulb clicked and he all of a sudden remembered everything he said when he was in all those situations where like, You get me through this, I'm gonna dedicate my life to you. You guys remember on the raft when they're in the storm, that's what he's saying. He's talking to God. Get me through this and I will dedicate everything to you. His life changes. And his life changed because he focused on God. He realized that's what he needed to be after. So that's all I've got for you guys. I'm going to go ahead and pray. All right. um, Lord, God, I just want to thank you for your word and um, for its example that it sets for us, God. You know, it's amazing. Every time I read it, you know, I read verses that I've read before and I see stuff I never saw. And then I, sometimes I don't realize how A connects to C and D until I really dig down into a lesson. And um, Lord, pride is one of those things that I don't know that I'm ever going to tackle it, so to speak. But God, I just ask that you help all of us in here to recognize when pride is you know, prevalent in our lives. And that you help us to realize that the way to get past it is to focus on you. And to remember that we have no rights. You know, If I don't get recognized for something that I did, It's not my right to go out of my way and get recognized for it. It's my job to continue to work for you. And um, Lord, I just uh, I want to pray that uh, that we can learn to live like you. We try to in so many ways. So many of us want to please you, Lord. I don't question that. But so many of us miss the mark. Uh, We all miss the mark in some ways. And God, help us to see that next step we need to take. Help us to not be afraid to take that next step. 
And God, ultimately, just help us to focus on you and not ourselves. Because ultimately, God, I think that's what is going to please you. Put this on your son's name. Amen.